and you're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there pretty much all of the band Expain doing this song that was called headbang your head off and i mentioned almost all the songs i cut off a tiny second a second of explain but thank you thank you so much pat peeve for sending me this cd explain from vancouver british columbia canada and we heard headbang your head off Today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, an interview from 1993. Yes, an interview with Ween from February 5th, 1993. Going way back in the Nard vaults. Yes, on the Nardwar show, Friday, February 5th, 1993, 25 years ago, pretty much, or even almost 26 years ago, Ween came in to CITR Radio, and I courted him for a tiny little bit on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Originally, they came into CITR to help out with John's show, to guest on John's show, but they stuck around. Thank you, Ween, for my show as well. So today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Ween from February 5th, 1993. Now, right now, to get you in the mindset of the 1990s and also referenced in the interview with Ween from 1993, here is Tim Dog. With this song, and for anybody listening that might be offended, please tune out right now. Because the opinions expressed are those of Tim Dog, and he might use some nasty, nasty language. So right now, here is, and that was a warning for you listening to CITR and listening to the Nardwar, the Human Survey Radio Show. Coming up, we have Tim Dog, and the song, Clear the Room Right Now, Clear Your Ears. Well, don't clear your ears, cover your ears if you don't like what's happening Fuck Compton from 1991. Tim Dog. Oh shit, motherfucker, step to the ranch here. Tim Dog is here. Let's get right down to the nitty gritty and talk about a bullshit city. Talking about niggas from Compton. They're no comp and they truly ain't stomping. Tim Dog, a black man's task. I'm so bad I whip Superman's ass. All you suckers that riff from the West Coast, I'll diss and spray ass like a roach. You think you're cool with your curls and your shades. I roll thick and you'll be yelling out rage. A hard brother that lives in New York. We're suckers are hard and we don't have to talk. Shut your mouth before we come out stomping. Hey, yo, easy. Fuck Compton. Fuck Compton. Fuck Compton. Yeah. Fuck Compton. Oh, yeah. Fuck him. Why you this lazy? Because the boy ain't shit. Chewing with tobacco and spit him in shit. I crush Ice Cube, I'm cool with Ice tea, But NWA ain't shit to me. Dre, beating on D from Pump It Up. Step to the dog and get fucked up. I'm simplistic, imperialistic, idolistic. And I'm kicking the ballistics. Having that gang war. We want to know what you're fighting for. Fighting over colors, 
All that gang shit's for dumb motherfuckers. But you go on thinking you're hard. Come to New York and we'll see who gets robbed. Take your Jerry Curl, take your black hats, take your whack lyrics and your bullshit tracks. Now you're mad and you're thinking about stomping. Well, I'm from the South Bronx. Fuck Compton. Fuck Compton. Yeah. Fuck Compton. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck them. Yo, it's about time we got some money from the South Bronx speaking on the whack ass rappers. Yeah. You know what, man? It really shit. Tim Dog and I'm the best from the East. And all this confident shit must cease. So keep your eyes on the prize and don't jeopardize my rhyme, cause that's not wise. You really think that you can rhyme? Well, come and get some of this load of tech nine. Shots of cold gunning. And you'll really be a hundred miles and running. You wanna play? Go ride in the sleigh. I'm so large, I fuck Michelle A. In the bathroom, we was boning. You should've heard how the bitch was moaning. Shut the fuck up, bitch. You can't sing. You sound like a kid playing on the swing. I'm the man at hand to run the band that's in command. You know who the fuck I am? Tim Dog. What's my motherfucking name? Tim Dog. That's my motherfucking game. So whether you think that I'm just the myth, the rip, the lift, the gift, the if, the fifth, the shift, the split, the sink, control, the hole, the fold, the bowl, and make it, make it, take it, fake. Woo. And I'm still too great. Fuck up, Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, just a little Fuck something to let you know that these West Coast rappers Fuck ain't taking over. Cause I'm straight out the South Bronx. And we ain't having that shit. Tim Dog, peace out. Fuck em. My fam to an outpost where I'd go in and take command of security. Well, surely it would be nice and bland, but my new neighbor's behavior, not, not in, in the plans. plans. We found a room section of the habitat ring, but when we tried to move stuff and got attacked by that thing that's got many horns and more teeth known as a tar. But first move on the job, getting wild pets barred from the station. But that was just the start of my impatience. The smells we received made me believe that the environmental controls needed a recalibration in our room. Apart for the tars, how it was used. Not very amused, but no other room available had to make do while my kids were crying rain until we got to the galley where my youngest bar flops and the rest of us just gagged from the smell of the cock courtesy of rock toe yell copla rejoice you live next to us only half wrong i worked hard to focus with the starfleet training that i have to deal with the unshakable fact my new neighbors are klingons lots of earthly smells my new neighbors are klingons all their weapons are pointy Rockto was there on a diplomatic mission yeah. Gotta say that it was rare to have civilians be living uh -huh. On the same level where you have Starfleet position uh -huh. Not an excuse to bear, but had to bear All traditions of Klingon opera at odd hours Thought our share wall was made of duranium A pain in the arse, we can hear everything next door They never get bored of talking about K-less or Bat-less A bat stress, for my wife is beta said Here's what in the brain is said All the time, violent minds only tempered by honor I wanna think that includes station rules But so far, I just get called a topa 
taught by all of his brood. A word the universal translator can't source. Of course, it must be coarse. I worked hard to focus with the Starfleet training that I have to deal with the unshakable fact my new neighbors are Klingons. Must be fun to have redundant organs. My new neighbors are Klingons. I can't get with blood wine. They should have known you can't set fires in your room that are real for want to try a right of ascension. Ask then I might have arranged something for them. Instead, they like to light a crap load of candles for a warrior's heart. Don't want to stomp on the culture if it's playing a part of vital importance. But I can't ignore the pain sticks sustained for days in a hollow suite to fight in all of the battles. A legend, a matter of tension for a lot of the staff and retention. Our captain is pleasant and wanting to be liked by everyone. So nearly one rule ever gets enforced. I have to impress with force. Not what I prefer being challenged to a bot cool. I'm suggesting I'm wrestling for us humans, an odd tool for negotiating. My comment was seen as excoriating. Why my captain did not see this is not cool. It's hard to fathom, like drinking blood wine if you're human. That's when I realized what I was doing. Anthropomorphize and cling on behavior. There's danger when neighbors can kill without a phaser. My new neighbors are Klingons. Hey, 
And you're still listening to CITR Radio, the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, courtesy Han Solo Records, the Mighty Rhino with Establishing Shot. And before that, more or less with Klingon Neighbors. Thank you so much, Han Solo Records, for sending me these releases. And before that, we had Tim Dog with Fuck Compton from 1991 setting the stage for my rebroadcast of an interview I did with Ween from February 5th, 1993. Coming up on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show, of course. I mentioned Tim Dog in that interview. Right now, we're going to hear from Calgary, Alberta. Thank you again for this release. Touch Me, I'm a Punk by Leather Jacuzzi. Oh, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I'm a Punk by Leather Jacuzzi from Calgary, Alberta on the Nerd War, the Human Serviette Radio Show. me. 
Yes, a scratchy record. I'm not exactly sure what the name of that record is, but we heard Watermelon Man. If you want to actually find out more about that record, check out the Nardwar Twitter, where I tweeted out a picture of the cover of that record. It is light music around the world. I think it is a Japanese record, and that was Watermelon Man, an interpretation of Watermelon Man by a Japanese Ben, right now, speaking of scratchy records, before we continue on playing an interview I did with Ween from 1993, February 5th, I'm going to play selections from Huckleberry Hound, the great Kellogg's TV show. We are going to hear the first track. It's kind of scratchy, just like the Watermelon Man. But still, it's Huckleberry Hound, the great Kellogg's TV show on Anardwar, the human serviette radio show. And a Huckleberry Hound dog. Howdy, kidlets. Yes, sir. This is your old friend. Chuckleberry, Huckleberry Hound. And have I got some ear-perking stories for little old you. So, uh, kind of gather around close like now and lean your little old heads right close to me and listen. Now, my first story I call Yogi Bear and the Missing Elephant. Well, sir, once upon a time, uh, I start out that way because, I mean, all good stories do, right? Right. Once upon a time, there was a famous park, see? It was known as Jellystone Park. Famous for its trees, its tall mountains, and, of course, its geysers. Uh, geysers? Them upside-down waterfalls, you know. Uh, what comes right up out of the ground? But the most popular landmark in Jellystone Park was a fantastical formation-like called Elephant Rock. But how that there fantastical rock formation happened is even stranger. It's the story of an honest two-hush puppy elephant what disappeared. Smack dab right there in Jellystone Park, never to be seen again. It all began one beautiful spring morning when a circus truck come a-barling along the road to Jellystone Park with a poor little chubby elephant caged up in the back. When all of a sudden, one of them, their guards, looked back toward the cage. What was that? Uh, hold it, Joe. The elephant. He's gone. You're kidding. No, I'm not. Well, we gotta form an elephant posse or something. You think maybe he ducked into the park? Search me. Let's ask the ranger. Uh, pardon me, Mac. You see an elephant go by here? Uh, what color? Stripe? Checkered? Polka dot? <laughs> Everybody's a comic. You mind if we have a look around, Mac? Be my guest. Always happy to oblige. Elephants. <laughs> you meet all kinds in this business. That clown was a big help. Yeah. What color? Stripe? Checkered? Polka dot? These parks bug me. Too many trees. Who needs trees? <laughs> 
All them thar circus guards could see was trees, trees, trees. But you know what? Behind one of them was that poor pachydermy, just as scared as all get out and just awaiting his chance. The minute them thar old circus fellers turned their heads, he was off and running. There he goes! Followed that elephant. Halt! Halt, you pesky pachyderm! He just, uh, disappeared. Yeah. You can't see the elephant for the trees. Well, sir, there they was, a-looking all around, and all the time, that little old elephant was playing another trick. <laughs> he was hiding himself all over with leaves and branches and making out like he was a tree. I gotta start wearing bifocals. Likewise. And when they both turned their heads for a minute, zip! Our little old elephant shot for the nearest hiding place, which just happened to be... <laughs> guess what? Yep, Yogi Bear's cave. Well, afore you could say how many grits, that elephant zipped inside that there cave and was hiding under Yogi's bed, with old Yogi sound asleep in it and snoring like a buzzsaw, while outside, them circus guards were getting closer and closer. How could we lose an elephant? It ain't easy. Have faith, Melvin. We'll find him. Well, sir, inside that there cave was a sight to see for sure. That little scared elephant was just a trembling and shaking under Yogi's bed. Only trouble was, the poor little feller was so fat that Yogi in his bed was slow-like being lifted clean up to the ceiling. Now, let's just hope Yogi don't wake up and hop out of that bed or whammo! Uh-oh, sure enough. Look there at that there Yogi bear. He's waking up. Wouldn't you just know? I, I can't hardly watch this. Can you? What's all the commotion around here? Don't they know a growing bear's gotta get his sleep? What a night. Well, I'll just hop out of bed and... I don't remember that step. Nor do I recollect no elephant under my bed. I gotta quit having nightmares in the daytime. But you're not dreaming. I'm a real elephant. Honest. You do, uh, look sort of like elephant. Please hide me from those cruel circus guards. You pull on my leg, Buster. Wow! This story is big, big, big! I shall report this to the park ranger. Who knows? Perhaps I could pick up a loose reward or two. Abazamabazoo! And a big fat abazoo to you! I can see the headlines now. Brave Bear Bags Big Elephant. Well, when Yogi started to walk out in that there cave, that little old pachydermy took one big deep breath through that hose nose of his'n, and just like a vacuum cleaner, when he inhaled like that there, right back into that cave, Yogi went a-flying. Now just a doggone minute! Glued closer than a postage stamp on the elephant's nozzle. Is this rough stuff necessary? Rough stuff? Wait till you see those guards clobber me. That's real rough stuff. 
A likely story, most likely. But outside, them thar two circus guards had circled back, and Yogi could hear them a-talking. Hey, Charlie, maybe that elephant's hiding in this cave. When we catch that chubby little pack of dime, uh, let's give him a couple real good knocks on a noggin. Now, that'll learn him. See? What did I tell you? Let's uh, go in and look around. Sure. You first. Uh, excuse me, gentlemen. Look out, it's a bear. You looking for me, sirs? Nah, uh, we ain't looking for no bears, are we, Joe? Nah, Ooh, we're looking for an elephant. May I inquire what kind, sir? Striped, checkered, polka dot? How about that? A bear comic. Losing an elephant does sound, uh, well, uh, a little far-fetched. <laughs> but if I could be of any uh, help, feel free. Ah, skip it, smarty pants. Let's go, Joe. He's around here someplace. Yeah. How long can an elephant hide? <laughs> you saved my life, mister. That's okay. Forget it. Jump! And that little old elephant was so grateful-like, he just up and squeezed old Yogi for sure joy. Till all of a sudden, he heard them old meanie circus guards coming back. Looky, Charlie. Elephant's footprints leading right into that smart Alec Bear's cave. Quick, pal, head for my secret exit. And sure enough, if Yogi didn't have a secret exit too, way in the back of that dark cave was a secret rock door what just slid right back with the press of a finger. And outside that secret door was the wide open spaces. You gotta admit, I'm smarter than the average bear. But once outside, it sure enough was a different story. On account of just as they come running out of that their secret exit, darned if they didn't see the ranger ahead in their way. She's it! Here comes the ranger! And man, did they quick like head for the nearest tree and hide behind it. Dum -de -dum -tum and if in trouble don't come double, from the other direction comes them thar circus guards again. And right away, they seen the ranger, of course. Hey, Mac, you see elephant around here? Uh, what kind? Stripe? Checkered? Polka dot? <laughs> this bit just don't quit. Well, things was closing in for sure now, with all three of them fellers heading straight for Yogi and his fugitive, the elephant. So there weren't nothing else to do but, yep, hide up in a tree. Hurry, pal, here comes the bad guys. <laughs> But elephants don't climb trees. There's always a first time. And dog my cats, if an old yogi didn't get that thar elephant up thar just in time, too. Cause not a whiplash later, the bad guys were smack dab on top of yogi. How could an elephant just vanish? It's kind of spooky. Hey, Charlie, it's that Weisenheimer bear. Hey, yo. Where's our elephant at? What kind, sir? Striped? Check? Never mind. I give you three to tell us. One, two. You dare to threaten government property? Two and a half. And just about then, the keeper happened to look up 
and his eyes bulged out like two big balloons. You see what I see? Well, sir, you put a thin limb and a fat elephant together, and what you got? Look out! Yep. Durned if that little elephant didn't come falling right smack down on them circus fellers. And scared like he was, made for cover, slickering a greased weasel. And right then, long come the ranger, and he took one look at them circus fellers with their shooting irons pointed at Yogi, and I want to tell you, that ranger got peeved. Break it up, boys. You know the rules. No bear hunting in the park. Bear hunting? Oh, it was elephant hunting. Elephant? Are you kidding? Do I look like elephant? I asked you. All right, boys, let's go quietly. But I tell you, there really is an elephant. Sure there is. Well, that's the story. The little old elephant just disappeared and never was seen again. Except uh, he really was hiding in the middle of all them rocks. And unless you looked right close, you'd have never knowed he was there at all. And if old Yogi knowed where the little elephant was, and of course he did, he never told a single soul. You gotta admit, it's a strange story. Right, Mr. Elephant? And true, too. <laughs> <laughs> You're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard from 1959, Huckleberry Hound, the great Kellogg's TV show. On the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. That was 1959. Now, let's transport ourselves to 1993, February 5th. John was doing a profile at CATR on the band Ween. Ween were just about to leave CATR. I had just finished my show on a Friday afternoon, but I thought, well, I'll continue on for a reason. Ween said they'll be on my show. Normally on my show, it was 3.30 to 4 doing interviews, and between 4 and 5 was The Noise Show. Thankfully, the noise show let me talk to Ween. They let me go over time. So I kind of like left my show, but came back to my show to do an interview with Ween. Previously, I'd interviewed Jim Bassnight from Seattle on a radio show, the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show between 3.30 and 4. So like about, maybe it would be like 4.40 or 4.30. There was a bit of noise. I came back on the air. And I interviewed Ween, who were in CITR Radio, doing an interview already with John, who was doing a profile on them for CITR Radio. And I was like, well, sure, I, I will talk to Ween, because they were playing that night in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So this is what transpired on 
February the 5th, 1993 at CITR on a Friday afternoon, probably like around 4.40 p.m. There have been a bit of that noise show happening. Thank you to Noise Show for letting me tape this and letting me um, do an interview with the band Ween. So that is the setup. Nardwar versus Ween. Thank you again, John, for bringing them into CITR Radio. And they were playing that night, Friday, February the 5th, 1993, at the Cruel Elephant, which is the Hotel California on Granville Street in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And we begin with a little announcement, a little cart, a little promo for Ween's appearance that night in Vancouver, as constructed by John and Justin, I think, but most likely John. So here is Ween from February the 5th, 1993, 25 years ago today. Kind of, well, not really. CITR presents Ween at the Cruel Elephant, Friday, February 5th. Ween is Dean and Gene Ween with a supersonic drum machine. That's Ween, the Cruel Elephant, Friday, February 5th, with guests, Hump, a CITR presentation. You're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and um, the end of the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio oh. show, but we get some extra little oh. bonus. Oh, my oh. God. Some extra little, oh. hello, some extra little bonus. Food man. Food man. The next, we were talking to Jim Bassnett earlier. Have you guys ever heard of Jim Bassnett before? No. No, the man. Mo- no, never. The Moberleys. No, never. The, he lived in New York. Oh, uh, yeah, no, we heard that. Yeah, he, yeah, he's from New York, the Moberleys, yeah, whatever, he's from New York, and he told me to phone up and say he has a cassette out called Top Pop and has a picture of a nude. Who bed- cares? Yeah, okay, well, I thought I'd <laughs> say <laughs> that. Okay, but I must say, um, right yeah, now we have, some, we have some special guests just for a quick little um, seconds here have popped into the Nardwarty Human Serviette show. Um, uh, courtesy, um, John, perhaps explain what's going on here. We have John uh, from the, what show are you from, John? Sonic Salad. Yes, Taylor. Sonic Salad. Sonic I knew. Salad. Clay, Clay is my oh, on the air radio. Clay, Clay Loudermouth from the show, <laughs> from the show, uh, Sonic Salad usually on. Mondays. Mondays between Th- three and four. No, three, three, four. Now, crazy, now this Monday there's going to be a special, isn't there, John? 
I yeah, mean, Clay. Yeah. Monday the 15th. This special. Monday the 15th. What's the special on? Two hours of weed. Two hours of weed. And <laughs> All right. And who do we have in the studio <laughs> right now? It's weed. We have weed. weed. Who, who are you? I'm Gene Wayne Steiner. We're Wayne. You're Wayne. Yes. And, um, you've really been saturated around here a lot, Wayne. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, do you realize you're real cult stars on CITR? Like cult major label stars, Good. if there is such a thing? All the way to the bank, man. <laughs> All the way to the bank. The only thing I, must, <laughs> the only thing I can say about you, Ween, is this. I love chimichangas. Can I please have a beast chief chimichanga and a basket of chips? <laughs> yes, man. Can I have a beef? Uh, power. A beef? Oh, no, man. How did that all come about? Beef, chimichanga, and a basket of chips. It's the best song ever. Can I please have a beef, chimichanga, and a basket of chips? That's like chips. It's so good. That drive through Yeah. What, what? What? How did that work out? Uh, it's a good Mexican restaurant. And you guys, well, can you do a bit of that song, please? Chimichanga. I love chimichangas. You're crazy, man. No, but can you get <laughs> out of control? No, which, I would like a bicycle of chips. Please more. More of that. I would like a basket of chips. <coughs> uh, yes, just prepare yourself. We're talking to Ween here Wee. live on CITR. What is it, carne asada? Uh, I like hey, that is a beef, man. Uh, there you go, man. Just a bit more. Just a bit more. I, just, I can't do it. I can't I believe can't. it, man. You know how many people I've heard ask him to do that? Really? This is the first time he's ever whipped it out. Oh, thank so you. <laughs> thank you. for. Uh, so what about tonight at the Cruel Elephant? Whip it out, man. You know, <laughs> actually, you guys are playing with the band Hump, a band from Victoria. Do you guys know where Victoria is? Victoria Island? No, Vancouver Island. Do you know where Victoria Van is? Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. Ever been to Canada before? Yeah, I was in the Yukon. Really? Once. Yeah, with my Boy Scout troop in a yellow school bus How, in 83. Uh, what, we, what, got, what? we drove all the way through Canada, and then we got busted when we got to Alaska because you can't transport anything but school students in Alaska in a yellow school bus. We got butt searched at Very the strange. last night, too, actually. Who, who's the Prime Minister of Canada right now? <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah. Ween, who's the Prime Minister of Canada right now? Nardwar, did you catch that? They had border, they had border trouble last night, man. Border trouble. Did they have crack up? Did they have crack up the crack of their ass? Is that the problem? Oh, crack up the crack of their ass. <laughs> that's what happened to one bat. That's what happened. That's my favorite border story. Is a guy was ski. A guy was in Vancouver and he left some um, hashish up the crack of his ass and he went across the border and a border guard found it and they, he he forgot it was there oh, and he had to get all he got all the money taken away from him and he couldn't go skiing at Mount Baker. Oh. And, um, we were walking in kind of funny. We were walking kind of funny. Have you played in Canada before? <laughs> No, this is our first time we've ever played in Canada. Really, nothing back, nothing, ever. nothing back east. What's Toronto like? What for Toronto? us? Yeah, what's oh. I've never been there. What's it like? Well, I've been there. We never played there. Toronto's okay. Good waste of time. Yeah, crazy city. Yeah, Montreal is alright. Now you requested um this Henry Kaiser. Yeah. And no, it, it what? <laughs> There's no Canadian Sorry, requests. Sauce. You have no Canadian requests. What, like closer to the heart or something? Like <laughs> that? <laughs> is that Triumph or is that Rush? I think it's Rush. But it's what do you think about Triumph? <laughs> oh, making, have you guys heard of Triumph? Need I say more? Totally. Do you like Triumph? Which guy more. is Rick Emmett? Has he got the mustache? <laughs> I don't know. Or, or, or what's another honeymoon suite? Did they hit? Not down with Triumph. No. Did, uh, Cor <laughs> did, Cor <laughs> did Corey Hart hit the you guess guys? Guess who, man? The guess Corey who? Hart. Corey Hart. The no, she who. never closer to the heart. She never made it to the states. So no, the only <laughs> you've never, you've never, never done one Canadian cover. Canadian no, no cover. Canadian covers. 
Because I think when I think of you guys, I think of possibly some covers because you are the Mojo Nixon and Skid Roper for the Depression Mode generation, aren't you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds oh, pretty good. man. Aren't All you? the way to the bank, Like, man. Ween are? Aren't, aren't Ween the Mojo Nixon the Skid Roper of the Depeche Mode generation? I never heard that before. Yeah. Well, you are the Mojo <laughs> Nixon the Skid Roper because, like, you're playing, like, technically advanced stuff. You've got a drum machine and you have a guitar. And those are things, like, uh, Mojo Nixon, they use wash. They like the old school Elvis approach. No, we wrote stuff in Martha's Muffin, man. They're nothing new. Yeah, Leonard Cohen, somebody. We wrote all their songs. Le uh, yeah, Mr. Leonard Cohen. We're down with Leonard, Leonard Cohen. Cohen. He's, he's, a Cana he's a Canadian, too, totally. you know. He's yeah, I know. Yeah, he's in the house. Yep. I he's, filled them in. He, he's down with OPP. Now, you guys were on Twin Tone, then you shimmy disked, then you Atlanticed. No, no. No, Electra. man, we Electrode. Oh, Electrode. <laughs> oh, sorry. Is Electra like Atlantic? Are they Kinda. all the same? Yeah. yeah. They, they just lend you money, and you have to pay them back. Yeah, that is. That's that's They're what, like it, a that's bank. what it's all about. Totally, yeah. major, you, they, people think you get really paid, but basically they just lend it to you. So bill you back for it. Twin Tone isn't that the label of Babes in Toyland? That's Minneapolis, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, totally. are you from are you from Pennsylvania or Pittsburgh? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. No, is Pennsylvania near Pittsburgh or Philadelphia? <laughs> well, Pittsburgh is <laughs> in Pennsylvania, the man. In Pennsylvania. Yes. But Pittsburgh is near Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, see, that's a state. Okay, like where British is, Columbia okay. is a province. Okay, you know well, you don't know who the Prime Minister of Canada is. I don't know where Philadelphia is. Where is, is are you from Philadelphia? Yes. You're, okay, no, is there a thing that's crack there? Yes, crack it, and carjacking. Do you ever see the flyers at all? Totally. They brought, yeah. Were you into the Broad Street Bullies? Completely. Who is your favorite Broad Street Bully? Andre Dupont. Why did that guy die? He's not dead, is he? No, that other guy. Lindbergh, why did he die? Kelly Lindbergh. Oh, a uh, uh, car wreck or something. I actually saw Bernie Perron's eye get poked out in his last game. <laughs> I was at that game. Totally. You're, See? You're kidding. See that? No, man. Oh. That's almost as neat. Oh, did it, like, get poked, like... Well, the I, butt end of a stick. Well, what do you guys think about that controversy? Uh, you know, the L.A. riots. <laughs> we were there when that went yeah, down. Man. That's how our last West Coast tour started. This is our second West Coast tour. You were there when L.A. riots. Yeah, we, we, we landed the day the there. verdict was delivered. On and did you leave the day the verdict was given to? Want to hear a good story? I'll tell you a good Ween story. With oh, thank you. Is this rare instance? Totally. Like, totally, you get totally the man. Wait, wait, let, let me get my page. You get the chimichanga thing. It's a beautiful story, man. Go ahead, man. Story time. A basket of we're cheeks. Sitting, we're sitting in... Uh, I don't know if I should go into the pool shit. No, go oh, ahead. please. Right, oh, right. come on. Right, okay. Oh, come on. We're, we're in L.A. It's, we're in L.A. It was like 4 in the morning. We were up all night. And um, mm. all right, we're on mushrooms, to tell you the truth. And we're sitting out inside in this pool, in this jacuzzi, out of our minds. And Julio and Gacy and there's this, up. And there's these gunshots. This is like right after. This is like two days after the riot started. And there's gunshots like 100 yards away. Are you listening to me, man? I am listening. Listen I'm me. thinking. I'm trying to picture myself there with <laughs> right. Heather Locklear All right. poolside. All right, so we're sitting there, okay, in the pool. Four in the morning. No one's around. We hear these gunshots like on the other side of the fence out on Hollywood Boulevard. And then, like, out of nowhere, we hear this, like, and this LAPD helicopter comes about 100 yards above us and hits us with a spotlight on mushrooms at four in the morning. And, and, like, the, water, and the water is parting in the jacuzzi. The <laughs> We're like looking up, and it's like, and the, then this the net voice came of down, God. and this net came down and got us both and swooped us both into the helicopter. Where'd they take you? Flew us to Canada. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's not true. To me, the last part's not true. Well, thank you for revealing that. Is that the greatest Ween story ever? No, but that's like uh, if you're really, really nice. What's the nicest Ween story you get? 
Like, what stories did John get? Did John get a good? <laughs> got did, yourself into did, this. did Clay Loudermark <laughs> get some good stories for his um, Ween special? Did I get some good stories? Do you know what this going to be? How do you guys feel about that? How do you feel? He is idolizing you. No, he is uh, parenterizing you. No, he is profiling you. Profiling. On Tuesday. This Tuesday. No, no. Monday the 15th. Oh, when's that? You guys want Jolly Rancher? When is Monday yeah. the 15th? Yeah, I'll take one. I huh? think that's, that's, that's in two. Oh, two weeks. Is that two weeks? The Ween special is? Two weeks, the Ween special? Yeah, yeah. February the 15th. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> okay. I just don't know. Well, so, um, it could be anything, man. Okay, so, Pit, uh, so Pit, Twin Tone, how did you, the, tw the, the Twin, like, cause see, uh, I don't understand one thing. You guys were on, you were, sh hello? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, we're here, man. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. and how's yeah, it down yeah, with OPP? Have you guys met any rappers before, like Tim Dog? He's the best. I guess you Tim haven't. Dog. Yeah. yeah. You never heard of Tim. We're not down with Tim Dog. Yeah, we're down man. with Bushwick Bill. Because, like, in New York, Tim Dog, isn't Tim Dog has the song Fuck Compton, and he's like, from New York because he's the Bronx guy. He really oh, hates yeah, what's we going on. We've seen that. You've seen Tim Dog? No. I've seen the CD, though. Yeah, he's, it's, that, is the, that is the dopest uh, rock it's rap. The dopest it, fly it was, is super fresh. It, some funky ass. It, yeah, totally ignored by the public. Anyways, it's from New York, ass. and you guys were, were on. I know you were on because you did Basket of Cheeps and a Cheese Jimmy Chonga with the Chili Dog. You were on Shimmy Disc, and I don't understand what Shimmy Disc is. Like, I was actually, oh. I thought the guy in Shimmy Disc, Kramer, is that his name? Yeah. Now, was, yeah he in a band, was he in a band with Kramer. Eugene Chadbourne? What? Yeah, he, he was him. Yep. He was in a band with Eugene Chadbourne, uh -huh. who still has a column for Maximum Rock and Roll. He does a column for Maximum Rock and Roll? I, think I don't know. Hey, what, yeah. Well, how, what, did your, hey, hey, did your hey. record get reviewed in Maximum Rock and Roll? Don't know. No, it didn't because it's on a major label. <laughs> that was a little joke. That's pretty funny. Oh, thanks hey, those for days my... are gone. Um, while they're all working their day no, no, jobs. No, no, Kramer. Yeah. <laughs> he, he does a lot of promo. He's like, a, everybody thinks he's cool, right? Is he? Uh, no, he's not very cool. Because I, yeah, cool I thought that too. Because <laughs> I thought he was cool. I thought shit. he discovered a band that loved beef, chimichangas, and cheeps. But it was Twin Tone. It was the lonely guys in Minneapolis that broke you. Totally. Was it Kramer who was the total goof? Or was it Eugene? I missed that. What? I'm not sure I understand it. No, Kramer's all right, man. Kramer's Kramer's all right. But it was, it was were you were Twin Toners mad that you know you were stolen? Kramer. You were stolen by Kramer? No, Twin Tone went out of business, so we had to do something. Oh, okay. And wow, I'm had sorry. To, we had you to know, put out another record, and this guy promised us a trip to Jamaica. Well, I'm I'm glad that you broke. So what would you do, man? Uh, go to Jamaica, right? Well, who else goes to Jamaica? Didn't Happy Mondays record their new album there? They use a lot of rhythms, don't they? Then they have bees. Oh no, I don't know about them. Didn't they have, like, the guy from... Did, okay, okay, how come the Talking Heads guys screwed up the Violent Femmes? Oh, God. Have you ever met Jerry Harrison before? Do you know it's a blast? Jerry Harrison came to one of our gigs, actually. Yes. Did he say it's a blast to be alive? And so did David Byrne, actually. And what... And Were they together? No. No. Who has, who has given you offers since? Who has hopped upon the Ween bandwagon? Bagwandon? Yeah. Is that the question? Yeah. <laughs> who's, what do you mean? Who's ripping off our... What do you mean? Who wants to Well, sign I mean, us? I notice right now that you're going to be in Seattle tomorrow. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming to the Nardward Human Serviette Show and for Clay Loudermouth's interview. We really appreciate that. It's true. So, hey, are you coming out tomorrow? That's all we right? can do. I, uh, maybe I'll try to make it. Yeah, forget it. Liar. Well, yeah, I, I cheese ch hey, it. cheese chimichangas with chili dogs. I love samosas. I love samosas and cheese You're chimichangas. Nuts, Look. Cheese chimichangas with samosas <laughs> are even better than Brent Bambury on ice cream. Ah! <laughs> <'Cause> you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're playing Seattle tomorrow night. Ween, Dean and Gene Ween. <laughs> Hello? What? Uh, you're playing Seattle tomorrow? 
Yeah. Now, how did you get to Teriyaki Asthma? You're on Teriyaki, Vol- teriyaki Asthma Volume oh, 5. Oh, totally. Long-Legged Sally was a no-neck yeah. sword. Do you have that? Um, I heard it. It's the first time I've that's ever amazing. heard anyone acknowledge that yeah. it's come out. Because you're, you're on, you're on, that's cool. That has a lot of indie cred to the CZ label. <laughs> how, how did you get on CZ? CZ. Home of CZ, home of seven-year bitch and the gits, <laughs> whose new hit is Finching the Bully. I don't know. We don't listen to alternative music. No, but how did They just you... liked our stuff and they put it on. <laughs> and so they <laughs> that's were. That's all we know. And they, were, and they were before. What? And they were, they asked you before you were big. Before you were Atlantic, no, I mean no, EMI, I mean Electrode. <laughs> they asked. <laughs> and then I look closely in a rocket. I look in a rocket magazine, and you, Dean and Gene Ween, Dean and Gene Ween, right? Yeah. You're playing also a sub pop benefit. Do you know that? Or you're playing sub pop? You're kidding. No, me. well, what? Yeah, you are. Get this. Sub <laughs> tomorrow night in Seattle, we play. Says sub pop presents a benefit for Curse. It's with, for a radio. Yeah, station. for the radio station. But sub pop is presenting it. Yeah, they flew us out there. That's the only reason we're here, actually. That's the really? Yeah, they flew us out there if we could play the gig. So sub pop money brought well, you. Oh, it is, man. Totally. So <laughs> free playing tickets, we'll go. So how many gigs are there on this mini little Saves jaunt? Saves a little money, you know? Huh? How many gigs are there on this there's, little um, jaunt? There's about nine, actually. It's only going to be, uh, the tour's going to be two weeks long. So is it Vancouver starting it? Yeah, tonight's our first show. And in Seattle and then all the way down? Uh-huh. And, no and then down and up and down. What about Cal- what's Calgary like? Calgary? Yeah. Um, where is that? What province is that in? In Alberta. What's oh, Edmonton Stampede. like? I was 13, man. I think I played. I remember. I remember White Hat, White Horse. Did you ever go there? White Horse. In the no, Utah? I didn't know. I was in Edmonton. Hockey in Calgary. There's a lot of dew lines in the Northwest. I don't think I was ever in Calgary. I was on the Alcan Highway. There's a lot of dew lines in the Northwest Territories. You know that? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what a dew line is? No. Yeah, dew line. You're like when like the bombs are gonna come over. They have those little huts and they have like antennas on top of them. And they, tell, they told when the bombs would come and the dew lines in Northwest Territories, Inuvik, Northwest Territories. That's cool, man. So you're, you're Ween, and you're playing tonight uh-huh. at the Cruel Elephant. Yep. And do, do you want to speak to one fan? Sure. On the oh, phone? Yeah. yeah. Do you want to speak to a fan? I'd love to do phoners. Do you want to speak to a fan? Okay, we'll yeah. have to wait for a fan to phone then. If you want to speak to Ween, it's 822-2487. <laughs> if you want to speak to Ween, it's 822-2487. UBC, CITR. Which stands for UBC, CITR. So, uh, Clay Loudermuck, what did you find out about Ween after being in a room with them? I don't know where to begin. Dean's got a flu, so I got a flu too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Um, if uh, if you want to speak to Ween, you can phone eight two 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 four eight seven. Oh wow! It only took um, if it takes it only took a minute. So that means every caller, fifty people are listening, hundred people are listening. Uh, so you have a fan every fifty. Oh wait a second. Hopefully, hello. Did I cut you off? Hello. Oh, sorry. Oh, we, they must all be at that we, store we, we that we're going to do the okay, uh, phone <laughs> thing for. <laughs> that must be it, man. Okay, that all our fans are at that store. If they don't phone within eagerly awaiting our arrival. If they don't come, if they don't chat with Dean and Gene, if they don't come by the time. I count down to one. If they don't phone, your band is going to fail totally. Okay? Oh, Five. Oh, no. Four. Three. No, Canada's going to fail, F- actually. No, your band's going <laughs> to fail. The they don't phone right now. Really Five. Four. Three. Two. Uh, uh, your band's going to fail because he's signed to a major label. <laughs> Five, four, three, two. Come on. Is there any fan Five. in the other studio who wants Five. to happen, okay. man? Yeah, there's another fan. Justin, are you there? Okay. Somebody behind you. Okay, Turn there around. we go. Okay, there we go. Okay, this is the one full. Oh, Could you go. play some Aria? Hello, hello. <laughs> hello. Uh, the band's not gonna fail. What? I didn't really want to call, but I just, I just thought I'd call. <laughs> oh, oh I do. Uh, right. Hi, is that you, Julie? 
<clears throat> no, it's Frida. Oh, hello. How are Hi, you? Frida. It's like Frida. Hey, this is D- Have you heard of Ween before? Yeah. What's your favorite Ween song? Well, I've only actually ever heard one song. The Basket of Cheeps <laughs> and Chimichanga song. No, no. Do you like Baskets of Cheeps and Cheese Chimichangas? Cheeps sound good, yeah. So, your question to the band is? Uh, how much is it to get in tonight? Uh, 17 bucks. It's only 10. Seventeen ninety-five. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, I just wanted to call in and so your band wouldn't fail. Oh, thank. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, keep. All right, Do 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 do. Do do. There. What was that? That was that was really nice. That that's was just, some Canadian thing. Yeah, that's do, what we do. Do 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 do. Get it? You know, like when you end, you say. Right. We were doing that back in '79. Oh really? <laughs> hey, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, you go back. You, you got go. Vancouver in this hand, right? As I exp- and then you got the theme from the Greatest American Hero in this. As hand. I explained, you got the same thing. Hey, okay. As I explained <laughs> earlier, I um, a few weeks ago I invented the term G. You know, G. Will you call guys G? Yeah, I, invent, I invented the term G. What, what, what did G stand for when you invented it? Well, I, it was this guy I knew. He had this jersey. It said G Johnson on it, and the Johnson fell off, so it just said G, and I used to call him G. We called each other G. So I invented G. Also, hey, I broke chimichangas in this town before you said do-do. What's a chimichanga, man? A beef chimichanga yeah, with cheeps. How you make it? I love chimichangas. Well, how do you make it? What is it? Describe it to me. I don't know what it is. I don't know, know what, what a is. chimichanga on, is. Man. You get them frozen, and you stick them in it. <laughs> I <laughs> frozen. Right. You're down with a 7-Eleven you, you put it, you, frozen. You put it to real. So anything else you'd like to add to the yeah, lis- yeah. listeners out there in Radioland? Um, hey, why why does why does Led Zeppelin suck? Why do they suck? Oh, my God. Are you, do you believe that Led Zeppelin sucks? Okay, why don't they suck? <laughs> and the tape ended there from February the 5th, 1993 on the the Human Serviette radio show, Me Talking to Ween, with help from... John. And actually, I kind of felt now listening back that Ween actually did go doo-doo because they did actually go doo-doo. They joked earlier when I went doo-doo-doo-loo-doo to the caller and they went doo, the caller went doo-doo. They joked, hey, we did that in 79. So that was pretty much the entire interview I did with Ween from February 5th, 1993. But we are missing one thing, aside from, you know, the tape cutting off from 1993. Some beef chimichangas and a basket of cheeps. Come on. It's a beautiful night for a walk on the beach, wouldn't you say? Yes, I will say that. I will say that. Let me start off with a basket of chips. Then move on to the polio saro taco. I like two polio saro tacos with one beef chimichangas. On the chimichanga, I would like a set of sour cream. I like tomatoes and onions on my quesadilla. For dessert, I would like the sopapillas. I like extra cinnamon on my sopapillas. Do you make guacamole? Yes, I, mean, I do make guacamole. I would like a side of guacamole on my tostito. I like to I like to dip the tostitos in guacamole. Can I get a basket? I told you about a basket of chips. I uh, like a large iced tea. Uh, two, two, um, two large iced teas. Okay, okay, that'll be uh, 16.07. Uh, 20? Oh 
1607 to change. Hi, can I help you? Uh, I would like a basket and chips, a beef chimichanga with a side of sour cream. I would like some guacamole on my chimichanga with a quesadilla, tomato, onion, and vegetables. I should like a burrito with beef, beans, and I would like a carne asada taco. Could you put some hot sauce on that for me? No, no, eat inside the taco, not on the side. Yes, can I have a carne asada taco? Not a pollo asado. We, we don't have chicken. We don't have chicken. <laughs> Do you have guacamole? Can you, can you make me some guacamole? I have guacamole. Okay, on my burrito, I would like a mochaco beef and shredded pork. And, and some more cheese, please. Uh, okay, that'll be 22. Uh, oh, yes, yes, I would like two lemonades and one medium iced tea. Okay, that'll be 2007. Out of 22. Okay, uh, $1.52 is your change. Thanks a lot. Your food will be right up here. Uh, let me get your drinks. Hi, can I help you? Yes. Yes, I would like a basket of chips. I would like a beef chimney. Uh, what is, what is, uh, what is, uh, what is the pollo asado? Uh, that's the chicken. Okay, where's the carne asado? Uh, that's the beef. Okay, let me get two carne asado tacos. With extra chick, with extra pollo, please. Your dick face, motherfucker. <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> Ween from February 5th, 1993. An interview with Ween from the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. Right now, here is Blazer Mania. Featuring exciting play-by-play action and highlights and interviews all the 1976-77 NBA world champion Portland Trail Blazers. Blazer Mania, a record produced by KYTE Radio Portland. The Trail Blazers on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. In 1843, a determined segment of society blazed a trail across the Pacific Northwest called the Oregon Trail. They were a determined group of people whose firm belief in themselves became a living heritage for those that know that territory today. And now in 1977, another trail has been blazed in that same area. It is called Blazer Mania. All right, we're going to dispense with all the presents and we can do that stuff lame for. Let's let Bill Shonley introduce each Blazer individually. 
Well, you've already heard from the chief, and he told it as he saw it, Bill Walton. Take another bow, William, the chief. The little train that could and did, Lionel Hollins. Mighty Moe, Maurice Lucas. Luke. Guy that had a sensational game yesterday in the entire year, Bobby Gross. First year man from the University of Dayton. What a year. What some memories he'll have. Johnny Davis. A veteran of the Portland Trailblazers for some six years. The oldest member of the present organization right now, the bandit, Larry Steele. Where is he? From the depths of despair to a world championship team, he'll tell you about it, Dave Twardzik. A player that can leap with the best of them, the rubber band man, Robin Jones. He's from Cold Bottom, Georgia. Old Bottom, Lloyd Neal. A veteran of NBA basketball, been in the playoffs before, but he never went this far. Sensational player Herman Gilliam. From Los Angeles and Phoenix, and of course now with the Trailblazers, Corky Calhoun. And of course, my friends, last but not least, affectionately known as the Who, Wally Walker. Are you ready? Rip City, all right! Serenely set beneath the rustic beauty of Mount Hood, Mount St. Helens, the Three Sisters, the Cascade Range, the story of the 1976-77 Portland Trailblazers is a simple one. It is the story of a community of 385,000 people, the entire state of Oregon and the Northwest, and 12 disciplined men committed to excellence and bound to succeed. They are a living example of those pioneers of over a century ago. The Portland Trailblazers were weaned from expansion in 1970, and after a brief learning experience of just seven years, they realized the dream of just a chosen few in 1977, the NBA championship. Philadelphia ball, five seconds to go. The Portland leading 109 to 107. Three will inbound. Here we go, the inbound of McGinnis. Drive, stop, pump, shoot, short, no go, and the game! The Portland success story starts at the top with Coach Jack Ramsey. Just before the final series game, Coach Ramsey expressed his feelings 
for his team. What I've tried to impress on the players is that when we do the right things, the winning takes care of itself, really. It's only when you start uh, hankering for the win too strongly do you maybe become too methodical and over-anxious, and we've experienced what has happened to us when we've done that before. And this all began with you at the helm back at Willamette University in Salem. That seems like a long time ago now. Well, that does seem like a long time ago, Bill, but if you'll excuse me, the beginning went back before then. I think the beginning started in the meetings that I had with the players when I first took the job. The first meet, and that's about a year ago. The first meeting I had was with Bill Walton the morning after I had signed the contract to take the job here at Portland. And I went to Bill's home and we talked for about an hour and a half. And it was during that time that I related to him the things that I felt he could do to make this an effective basketball team. And the things, the overall view of the kind of game that I wanted to play and his role in it. And it was, I came away feeling very optimistic because the things that I like to do, he liked to do. And I, I had always felt that my ideas of the game were very compatible with those of a big man, a big center, who was multi-skilled, a player who could give us good defense, shot blocking, outlet passing, and could also take an integral part in the offensive mechanisms of my game. And Bill Walton is probably the supreme player to do those things. So it was a happy meeting of the minds, as far as I was concerned. Uh, from there, I went and visited with each of the other players. Um, I guess it took me two weeks because I had to reach some of them out of town. But I, I came away from those meetings feeling that the players that I wanted to retain would form a good nucleus of the team and that we could deal some of the players that I didn't think would fit in to get the kinds of players that we wanted. So it goes back to that time, Bill, and then it was carried on at Willamette at our training camp where all of these things were put together and the beginning was, in fact, um, taking form. And uh, all of us left Willamette feeling optimistic that if we could improve and develop and acquire experience and poise during the course of the season that everything was possible and it's turning out that way. The Trailblazers opened the 1976-77 season with a rush, winning four of their first five games as they overwhelmed the New York Nets, the Golden State Warriors, Detroit Pistons, and Atlanta Hawks. But their first real test came on the night of November the 5th when the Philadelphia 76ers came to town. The Sixers had captured most of the preseason spotlight due to their galaxy of so-called superstars, Dr. J, Julius Irving, George McGinnis, Caldwell Jones, and Doug Collins. They seemed to be basketball's version of Murderer's Row, an unstoppable and unbeatable team. Could the new-look Trailblazers keep up with this bunch? Well, a record crowd of 12,823 showed up at the Memorial Coliseum to find out. And what they were to witness caused even the most ardent Trailblazer fan to pinch themselves. Walton gets the tip. However, it's picked up by George McGinnis. Philadelphia 76ers have the ball right off the bat. McGinnis takes a look, hands it back to Collins. Collins over the midcourt line. He tries to get it underneath for Dr. J, but Collins jumps in front of him, and Collins comes up with the ball, and the Blazers have it back. 
in forecourt. Left side, it's Holland. He can shoot from there. Holland's is going to take the jumper from 16. It's good. And the Blazers are out in front by a score of two to nothing. Back up the floor, the Philadelphia 76ers. Heavily laden with a lot of talent. At least a lot of people think so. Lucas comes up with a seal. Lucas back down the floor. Jumper from the left side. Yes, sir. That's good. The Blazers lead very quickly. Four to nothing. Blazers with the ball in front court. Lucas right side now. McGinnis on him. Hand in his face. Luke's going to take the shot. It's on its way from 20. Rip City. All right. The Blazers lead six to nothing, and this crowd is going crazy. It's Lucas again to Gross. Back over to Gross. Lucas takes off. Gross feeds him underneath. Alley oop play. Good for two. And it's nine to nothing. Blazers lead, and Philadelphia calls for a timeout. Gordick likes to penetrate. He's got the ball. He finds room, and he drives right up the middle. Underneath for two. Yes, sir, he's got it. And right now, it's 41 to 22, and seconds are ringing down. 76ers with the ball. It goes over to Doug Collins. Checks the clock. He's going to let it fly from 20. It's on its way. It's not good. Walton up for another rebound. Two seconds to go. Long pass down and forward. Gordick once again. The horn sounds, and the quarter is over. And the score at the end of the first period here at the MC, first time around for these two teams. It is Portland 41, the Philadelphia 76ers 24. Into the corner to Twardzik. Back out to Walton. Top of the key. He's going to shoot from there. It's on its way. It's in for two. Bill Walton gets two more on the scoreboard. Remember, the Blazers had a halftime lead of 77 to 51, and they have blitzkrieg the 76ers tonight. Steve Mix with the ball. Checks the clock. He's going to let a 25-footer go. It's on its way. Yes, it's good for Philadelphia. There's the horn. The third period is over. And the score after three reads. Portland 113, the Philadelphia 76ers 74. The day also belonged to Trailblazer star center Bill Walton as he celebrated his 24th birthday. And the Blazers raced off to an eventual 146 to 104 win. The early season book on the Trailblazers was either win big or lose big. Fortunately for all, they were winning a lot more often than they were losing. But on the night of November the 24th, they showed that they also could win the squeakers. Chicago was the opponent. And in overtime, Larry Steele, the bandit, the last of the original Trailblazers, provided the clutch play. Five seconds remaining to be played in the game. Steele has just been fouled. He'll go to the line for a pair. Steele already tonight, two for two at the free throw line. If he sinks these, he'll have a total of 16 and possibly could win the ball game. It's been a Donnybrook with the Chicago Bulls. We're even 115 to 115. The Bulls have already lost eight straight games. The Blazers do it tonight. It'll be a club record equaling ninth straight loss for the Chicago Bulls. It's all quiet on the western front as Steele goes to the line. The bandit always has been an excellent free throw shooter. The first free throw attempt is on its way. Good. Blazers lead by one. He'll have one more. Five seconds to go. Overtime. Chicago, Portland. Steele takes plenty of time. Big, deep breath. 
It's on its way. It's up and it's in. It's good. Blazers lead by a score of 117-115. Five seconds to go. Norman Van Leer with the ball. Long pass down the floor to May. May takes the shot. No. It's not good. The game is over. And the Blazers win it in overtime by a score of 117 to 115. Then exactly one week later, against the Indiana Pacers, another cliffhanger. This time it was Dave Twerdzik, a refugee from the ABA who saved the day. Now the clock is down at 12. Twerdzik with the ball. Over the midcourt line, finds a little room. He drives. He's fouled over the line for sure. He'll go to the line, six seconds on the clock, and Twerdzik can tie up the ball game for sure. And for that matter, he can put the Blazers out in front. And wouldn't that be something? Blazers have had their trouble tonight. Portland had a 31 to 28 lead after one, and they've had a fight all the way. Six seconds to sing. It's 100 to 99, Indiana. Davey takes plenty of time. He's played a lot of basketball in this hardwood when he was in the ABA. First one is on its way. It's good. Ball game is tied. 100, 100. Gordzik will have one more. David took a little walk. Now he's back at the line. He'll get the ball. The ball is up. It's in the air. It's good. The Blazers lead by a score of 101 to 100. Six seconds to go. Jones will do the inbounding. Pass to midcourt to Billy Knight. The clock is down to four over to Roundfield. Roundfield in the left corner. He lets it fly. It is not good. The Blazers win it in regulation time. They do it on two free throws by Dave Swarczyk. And the final score here in Indiana. Portland 101, Indiana 100. December 7th is an infamous date in American history. But in 1976, it was to become a very memorable one for the Portland Trailblazers. Never in their six-year existence had Portland managed to defeat the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden, having lost 12 straight. But it ended this time around as the Blazers waltzed to a 111-94 victory. Portland blew the contest open in the third period as the talented tandem of Maurice Lucas and Bill Walton combined for 17 points. We're back at Madison Square Garden here in New York, and Bill Walton and Maurice Lucas put on quite a show for the folks here in the Big Apple. The Blazers have waited a long time to come into Madison Square Garden before they were able to win. Now, this might be a good omen for things to come. I know General Manager Harry Glickman is probably lighting his big cigar right now and I hope he is back home because he could not be with his team tonight and he's always from day one wanted to be here to see the Trailblazers win in Madison Square Garden and led by Maurice Lucas and Bill Walton and 20 big points from the train Lionel Hollins tonight they got the job done they outscored the New York Knicks in the third period convincingly 36 to 22 they led by some 20 points after three periods of play 81 to 61 and they win the ball game by a score of 111 to 94. Bill Walton not only had 16 points tonight he hauled down 15 rebounds he took the ball away from everybody and also had five block shots and Bill told us before the ball game one of these days he was going to have a good game in New York and he had it tonight and he'll have more. Lucas with his 22 points and seven rebounds and three assists. And Lionel Hollins had 20 points tonight, three assists, three steals, and he led and guided the team all the way down the line. It's a rather historic occasion here in New York. The final score, Portland 111, 
the New York Knicks, 94. One of the reasons for Portland's early season success was their phenomenal home court record. Over the course of two seasons, they managed to run off 22 consecutive victories before losing to Los Angeles on December the 18th. It looked like it might be two straight defeats at home when the Blazers found themselves down by 10 points in the third period to Kansas City on December the 21st. But some deadly shooting by Bill Walton and Bob Gross pulled Portland out of the doldrums and led them to an eventual 99-94 win. As 1976 turned to 77, the Portland Trailblazers took to the true New Year's spirit and forgot old acquaintances. With a vengeance on January the 4th, the world champion Boston Celtics came to Portland. Over the years, the Trailblazers had their problems with Boston, but on this night, they would atone for all of their past failures as Larry Steele and Corky Calhoun came off the bench to spearhead a very lopsided 128-84 victory. In the second quarter, they helped the Blazers stay in the game. In the second period of the ball game, Calhoun and Steele have had some kind of night, and they've come off the bench to get it done. Calhoun with the ball. Ten-foot perimeter shot. Turnaround jumper by Corky. That one's good. It's 30 to 27. Blazers out in front. Gross with the ball now as he took it away from Curtis Rowe. Rowe has not had a good night tonight. Gross over to Steele. Steele from the left baseline off the break. He lets it fly. Two more for the Bandit. And Larry Steele makes it 34 to 29. The Blazers out in front. Again, it's Corky Calhoun as he steals the ball away from Tommy Boswell. Calhoun drops the pass for Bobby Gross. Back to Calhoun. They swing it around the top of the key. Calhoun gets the ball again. He goes deep to the right side. Back to Davis. Back to Corky Calhoun. He lets it fly from the coffin corner for Corky. Corky and the Blazers have a commanding lead right now. Again, thanks to Corky Calhoun and Larry Steele. And some pretty good outside shooting by a guy by the name of Squirman Herman Gooding. And in the fourth quarter, they helped blow the Celtics out. Blazers have the ball. Gilliam over to Steele. Steele drives all the way. Up the middle. It's good. He's got two more for Larry Steele. And the Blazers lead 90 to 69. Gilliam and Calhoun, along with Steele, doing the yeoman share of the work out there tonight here in the fourth and final period in front of another jam-packed crowd at Portland's Memorial Coliseum. Scott with the ball for the Boston Celtics. He's at midcourt. He does a little jitterbug dance out there. Steele reaches in. He's got the ball. Larry Steele with a steal from Charlie Scott. He goes all the way. Back-to-back -back buckets by the band. It's two more, and it's 92-69, to 69, and now Boston calls for a timeout. Then 10 days later, they stunned the Celtics again as they won their first game ever at the Boston Garden. The greatest fear of all Oregonians was realized on January the 27th when Bill Walton was sidelined with an inflamed Achilles tendon. Rookie Robin Jones moved in to do a creditable job, but without the big redhead in the pivot, the trailblazer running game lacked the cohesiveness that was so much a part of their game plan. And as a result, they stumbled through the month of February, winning only three of 11 games. But with the coming of March, the trailblazers were ready for the stretch run. On March the 1st, 
the Philadelphia 76ers returned to Portland, hoping to atone for their earlier season lambasting at the hands of the Trailblazers. They almost pulled it out. But in the dying seconds, forward Maurice Lucas came through. 17 seconds remaining to be played. Blazers have just come back out of a timeout. Philadelphia leading 107-106. This game is seesawed back and forth all night long here at the Coliseum. It will be the Blazers' ball down by one. Gross brings the ball out of backcourt. Gross over the midcourt line. Over for Corky Calhoun. Seconds are ticking off. It's down to 13, to 12. Calhoun over for Lucas. Lucas top of the key, fakes, drives, rolls to the hoop. He scores! And Philadelphia calls for a timeout. Maurice Lucas driving Lickety Brendel right up the middle, makes the score 108-107, but 10 seconds remaining to be played in the game. It'll be Philadelphia's ball. We'll see what happens. They call for a timeout. Now 10 seconds to go. Undoubtedly, they'll get the ball to Dr. J. They inbound. Pass to Dr. J at midcourt. Goes to his right. Here's a 20-footer. It's on its way. No good. Rebound in traffic. Lionel Hollins, one second to go. Lionel hugs the ball. The game is over. And the Blazers win it on a driving lay-in by Maurice Lucas. The final score. Portland 108. Philadelphia 107. As the season wound down, it was quite evident that the Trailblazers would have to hold off the Golden State Warriors for second place in the NBA's Pacific Division. On Friday, April the 1st, the Warriors came to the Pacific Northwest with only a half game separating the two teams. A Portland victory was a must, and a victory was forthcoming as Bill Walton put on an outstanding performance, scoring 30 points while holding down 14 rebounds in assuring the Trailblazers of their first playoff berth in the team's seven-year history. Hollins down the floor, hands over to Wally Walker, goes to the hook, doesn't spare, tip in, Blazers get to within two. Eight seconds, get the ball to Walton, takes a look, back to Lucas, now Walton underneath, dropped the ball, got it again, right-handed hook, good! 39-39, the game is tied up on a right-handed hook by Walton. He's had back-to-back right-handed hooks underneath. Walton takes the ball off the iron. Eight rebounds in the ball game for Walton to this point. Walton to steal to Lucas. Around the left side, Gilliam. Now to Hollins, right of the key, lets it fly. Rips! Pity, yes, sir! Gilliam takes a look. Back out to Luke. From the circle, will he take the shot? No, he waits. Over for Hollins. Goes to his right. 18-footer off the glass. Off the iron. No good. Lucas, the offensive rebound. Back to Hollins. Hollins drives. Puts it up. It is good. 12 points for Lionel Hollins. Eight of those here in the second quarter. 47 to 40. Portland by seven. Gus Williams drives. Goes to the baseline. Right-handed hook. No good. Lucas, the rebound. Ahead to Hollins. Look at Walton go. Hollins. Walton scores. Wally Walker, top of the circle, over for Hollins. Hollins to the right side, playing the clock down. They don't want to make any mistakes. It's 107 to 98. They'd like to get one more bucket. Hollins for the ball with five seconds to go to Gilliam. Gilliam stops, shoots, good! He's got it! Icing on the cake. 109 to 98, four seconds to go. Three, two, one. There it is. The game is over, and the Blazers win it. Look at Jack Ramsey. Is he ever excited? Jones wins the basketball, yeah. too. He's taking it into the locker room. The Blazers, for the first time in the history of their franchise, win it. And the scoreboard says playoffs. The final score tonight.
Woodman, 109. The Warriors, 98. Welcome to our Blazers scoreboard. It's playoff time. And... First time in the history of this franchise, and will you welcome our guest, the Chief, Bill Walton. Well, my friend, the folks want to hear from you. It's it's a great feeling, I can assure you. You know, in the NBA, yeah, every team is capable of winning the championship. Yeah, yeah, everybody has fine players. It's who's ever the healthiest and the hottest at the yeah, playoff time. And, uh, you know, our, our chances are good. And two days later, rookie Wally Walker had the best game of his brief pro career as he scored 12 fourth-quarter points to key a 119-104 win over Seattle. Then in their next game, Dave Twardzik and Lloyd Neal came off the bench to trigger a fourth-quarter rally against Detroit that wrapped up second place in the NBA's Pacific Division for the Portland Trailblazers. With only two games left on the schedule, the Trailblazers posted impressive victories over the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers. So now it was on to the playoffs for the first time ever. The Trailblazers had closed the season with a rush six consecutive victories and a rush that would propel them and their fans into the euphoric world known as blazer mania <laughs>